This is Data Basement. Hello, and thanks for joining us today in the Data Basement podcast. And we have Tom Brunello joining us, and he is a product management executive and has worked in multiple industries and has a lot of experience, particularly in the cybersecurity industry, leading products and helping launch successful uh, businesses in general. Hello, Tom. Welcome. Hey, Dan. How's everything going? Going well, thanks. So, so it's great to have you on today, specifically around the topic we're going to talk about, which is the, the cybersecurity space and, and current events around it. Before we jump into it, though, we always like to learn a little bit more about our guests and, and you have a extensive experience. So why don't you tell us a little bit of, about how you started your career in, in product and cybersecurity and, and how you made it to your current role today? Sure. Yeah. So actually, Dan, I actually started life as an engineer, right? So I worked in doing both hardware and software uh, work for networking cards, um, specifically on Ethernet and Ethernet devices. So yeah, I've always had a, a low-level technology background. And uh, from there, I started realizing, hey, I like the idea of being on the product side of the house. So I actually went for my MBA in marketing to kind of learn some more of the business and product side. And I kicked off my product management career working with PC Anywhere. So back in the day doing remote access, right? Back before it was even fashionable. Um, I was involved doing that, you know. And from there, learned a lot about being a product manager and, and developing products for both consumers and enterprises and had a great opportunity to get into a startup company where also made my transition into security, right? I worked early on with one of the first companies that did antivirus and anti-spam protection for email systems to help build that company. And we ultimately sold that to Microsoft. But, you know, during that process, really got entrenched in the world of security um, and all aspects of it, you know, technology and business side of things. And, you know, that's led me to the opportunities uh, that I have today. And, you know, again, back in very technical world of cybersecurity for cyber insurance companies. Thanks. Yes, that, that's a, a very relevant topic today, because as we know, cyber threats are increasing recently growing across all industries, whether it's small, medium-sized businesses, large enterprises, and even uh, local governments or government agencies continues to be a problem. And, and, and cybersecurity insurance specifically has become critical for these businesses to be able to continue their operations and, and be able to have assurances that they can operate in general. So let's dive into the topic today. And, and it's all about cybersecurity insurance and, and a lot of what powers it. But before we jump there, I uh, just want to do a quick intro for the audience in case uh, you're not too familiar with the process of insurance underwriting in general, which is consistent regardless of the industry. So in, in layman's terms, uh, insurance underwriting is all about trying to assess the risk for the policy that is being written. And usually there's a lot of different types of uh, uh, data, questionnaires perhaps that, that get filled out. Um, so to give you an example for car insurance, if you have a car and the, the car is a sports car and can go faster than your average car, then obviously that's going to have a higher risk. And perhaps the population or the demographics that buy that car uh, may also be uh, riskier. So all these are different data points that uh, lead you to be able to underwrite a, an insurance policy for a car. And it, it's similar for cybersecurity. But before we go into uh, the inner workings of cybersecurity insurance, Tom, why don't you give us a, an overview of what exactly is it? Uh, what does it cover and, and what is the scope of it? Sure. So 
Again, from a, with cyber insurance, there's a couple key things that it looks to focus on, specifically around technologies that you use, you know, so, and it's looking to cover a couple key things, right? Um, and the ones that you hear about the most these days are, say, if you've been phished or had like a ransomware attack, right? So you're phished, you may have a lot of the phishing, a lot of the big phishing things that are causing economic loss right now are fund transfer fraud. Right, so that's where someone gets a say a fished email, fake email from the CEO saying, "Hey, I've authorized the release of this money. Please pay this vendor, what have you." Right, so someone in accounting gets that message, they send off the wire transfer, and find out that it was a fraud. Systems getting hacked, right, for ransomware. So now there's you either have to worry about fixing the ransomware solution, right, you know, working on your backups and hoping you have good backups to get those restored or you're paying the ransomware to decrypt the system. Um, so cyber, cyber insurance is looking to protect those kind of scenarios and help fund you know, either the recovery of those systems or in some cases actually pay the ransomware. Right? It's obviously not the preferred solution because you're funding the, the threat economy, but in some cases, in order to get the business back up and running, that's the solution you have to take, right? And then cyber insurance, again, also helps pay for the, the cost of the business interruption, right? Getting the business up and running. So those are some of the things that you're paying for or hoping to benefit from if you should need a cyber insurance policy. C cyber insurance, you know, some people think of it as a replacement for cybersecurity. It's actually really just a key component of your overall cybersecurity, right? You know, first and foremost, you always want to have a good cybersecurity plan in place. Yeah, and we'll go a little bit deeper into that last uh topic that you mentioned there about how to improve a cybersecurity system and what does that mean also for the insurance. But before we get there, you brought up an interesting point. One of the challenges of being able to do predictable pricing of anything, whether it's a, a stock or financial instrument or an insurance policy, is having enough data to make an informed decision about uh, the risk in this particular case. So in the example that I gave earlier around a car insurance policy, there are several rules countrywide, let's talking specifically about the US where accidents have to be reported, driving records can be accessed from different states. So there's a bit of history and, and the insurance company has good data, let's call it, in being able to make a decision for a, a driver that has been driving for a long period of time. However, in the context of cybersecurity, perhaps, there's not such a standard, right, that, that tracks all the incidents that have happened uh, for a particular business or what are the possible vulnerabilities that a, a specific business may have depending on the industry they're in or depending on other factors. So could you explain a little bit more how is it possible to basically underwrite cybersecurity insurance and what kind of data can be used uh, to be able to do this? Right. And again, and, and, and it, one of the interesting thing too is right traditionally you know as you mentioned right in the beginning of cyber insurance it was typically relied on you know the potential customer or potential insured filling out forms right kind of ascertaining their you know via a form ascertaining their compliance right you know do they do backups yes you know kind of going down the checklist of different things do you run this you know run these certain applications yes or no so with that you know, because you're just asking someone to kind of fill out a form, you ended up with a very poor information set, right? Because it was tough to validate. So 
and, and again, because the things that you need to understand, as you mentioned, there's not a lot of history, um, the way you would say with a car, you know, the history of a driver, but there is a couple basic things. And, and these are again, some of the data sets you have to look through, right? So one of them is have people at the organization had their PI, had they been exposed to a prior, prior data, public data breach or a third party breach, right? There's some big famous data breaches out there where you know, hundreds of millions of records of usernames, email addresses, and stuff have been exposed, right? So that is one data set that you can use, right? If an organization has a lot of employees that have consistently had, say, their email addresses and passwords exposed in third-party breaches, well, there's a high risk there around their password policies and password protections. Right. So you could use that as one input. Another big part of you know, the data that needs to be collected and understood is also the applications and services that the organization is running and more specifically the ones that are publicly exposed to the Internet. Right. Because essentially that is the vector that the threat actors are going to traditionally use. You know, there's two traditional vectors that they're going to try and use to get into an organization. One is through phishing or social engineering. Right. Where they're going to try and trick somebody to to give them a key piece of information that they need to get into the organization or, you know, insert that malware or create the transfer, you know, that kind of threat. And then secondly is their internet facing exposure, right? So the exact applications and ports and stuff that would be exposed that allow a threat actor to try and come from the outside in you know, trying to exploit a known vulnerability or potential vulnerability of the organization. Yeah, that's, that's, that's critical, right? And basically validating not only to make sure that the, the qualitative data that is entered in this forms is, is valid, just from a perspective of, did they misspell something? But also, is it true, right? Is, is, is the information being given by the potential customer factual or not? And, and having or, or being able to identify all that let's call it third-party data or additional data to give additional context to this, the, the customer's profile risk is critical. But there's even uh, a little bit beyond that, right? So when, when we think about insurance in general and, and maybe an, another more common example for, for folks is uh, health insurance, right? When a, a health insurance provider may, it's also is concerned obviously with being able to cover the cost in, in the case of a medical emergency, but the, the better run, let's say, uh, health insurance companies also try to have healthy customers, meaning if you're able to proactively take care of yourself, lead a, a healthy lifestyle, then obviously that's going to translate to better health for the, for the customer, but savings for the insurance provider. So could you give an example on how it is possible to give this type of assistance to, to potential customers that not just giving them the, the, the assurances that their operations uh, will not be disrupted uh, due to, to these issues uh, dealing with cybersecurity risk, but can these companies also use uh, tools to protect themselves and avoid getting in, in that spot in the first place? Absolutely. And again, that kind of leads to kind of how the world of cyber insurance underwriting and the overall insurance experience have, has changed, right? It kind of started out with the form filling, but now what you're finding is in the cyber insurance industry is taking advantage of cybersecurity tools, both for the underwriting process and then after the account's been, you know, the insurance policy has been bound, 
and providing ongoing protection, right? So what you're seeing is that we're, we're doing pre-scans of the organization, right? So they, you know, back to your analogy of say, like with a health insurance person or like with health insurance coverage, right? So what we're doing, what you're seeing now in organizations at the time of underwriting, it's like we're doing a whole body scan of, the, of a person, right? We're doing a complete scan from the outside in of companies to under, you know, from a cybersecurity perspective to understand what potential vulnerabilities may exist. What, what you know, ports or doors are open that would allow the hacker in, right? So having that pre-scan, but then more importantly, continuing to run the tools and providing the insureds with tools that they can use themselves to again, help prevent and make sure their cybersecurity posture is as best as possible, right? So the, the, most, the more risk we can eliminate throughout the life cycle of the policy, the better off it is for both sides of the house, right? For both us, obviously as the insurance side, but then more importantly for the customer. You don't wanna to have to have a, a ransomware or a funds transfer are you know, two of the worst events that can affect an organization, right? The funds transfer is, you know, again, that loss of revenue, loss of money, hard-earned revenue, right? That in many cases is tough to come back. And then the second part, and more importantly, is say that ransomware event, right? The business interruption, in some cases, business have closed because they haven't been able to recover from a ransomware event, right? So uh, trying to prevent those events before they can happen is much better for the end company as well. And that's why they're looking for organizations that give them the peace of mind of a, a policy, but more importantly, are providing them tools that can, they can use proactively to keep their cybersecurity health in place. Excellent, yeah, and, and, and as you mentioned ransomware, we have seen a number of uh, cases, uh, especially from, from local governments where they are forced to uh, uh, pay those ransoms. And, and, and a lot of times because they, they haven't taken the, the appropriate precautions to uh, safeguard their, their systems in general. So at, at the beginning, uh, you did discuss that the, the cybersecurity insurance, it is not, shouldn't be seen as a way to avoid uh, having to invest and, and create uh, cybersecurity protections and, and mitigating risk in general, usually seen as a way to the risk that you have no control over, once you have exhausted all the possible things that you can do to mitigate that risk, you use cybersecurity insurance to make sure that whatever else you cannot do anything about, then you have at least some sort of, of backing. But what would you say, uh, based on your experience in this industry, are the possible implications of, of, of clients not having all those controls in place? Right, so in terms of just relying only on the insurance or? Right. Yeah, like I said, relying just on insurance, really, you run the risk of the fact that you may not be able to have, even though you may have the coverage for business interruption, the coverage for replacement, the coverage to help restore all the systems, but all those things take time, right? And the amount of time that can take, depending on the industry you're in, your competitors could supersede you, you know, you could lose customers because they need quick responses. And that's some of the scenarios where we've seen where our companies have folded because even though they've had cyber insurance, yes, they were able to kind of cover, but they couldn't get their reputation back, right? Their, whether their brand reputation, their customers, because they were down for so long, um, you know, because of the, the, the cyber event, right? So, you know, the fact that if you can have the pieces in place to avoid having the event occur 
or minimizing the impact of the event as well, right? So one of the things we're doing, you know, with the ongoing monitoring, right? We see a vulnerability pop up at one of our customers. We can immediately notify them, hey, you've got this. We got to, you know, here's some remediation things to, to prevent blocking, right? Or again, minimize the time that if something has gotten into their organization before it can spread. Um, ourselves and other companies also provide incident response teams. So the second something does happen, right, you can get all over it. Uh, we've got a great, you know, a great case study around a scenario where there was electronic funds transfer. Customers got us in time and, you know, it was transfer of a couple million dollars and we were able to get most of it back um, because we acted quickly enough, right? We were able to chase it down. So there's those are some of the reasons why, you know, working in conjunction with the rights cyber insurance partner, there's some, you know, additional benefits other than just, you know, a check waiting for you when you file a claim, right? You know, it's not so much like an automobile where it's easily replaceable, right? You get into a car accident, great. You can either get a check to get it fixed or you get a check to get the car replaced and you're back up and running, you know, these days within a week or two, right? It's, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, you have a, an accident with your with your business with a, a major cyber event. Um, you're talking months in some cases to try and recover, you know, weeks to months, and that's a challenge from a you know an ongoing business entity perspective. Yeah, you you bring two interesting points. So yeah, the, the recovery time is significantly longer, and, and that is and, and one of the challenges of a, a cyber security incident or a data breach in general is that the reputational damages can one be not measurable, not, not very measurable. Okay. You won't be able to know exactly what you lost in potential new business or even existing or current business. And, and being able to have that, that partnership that you mentioned of having not only uh, once uh, bad things happen, having someone that will be able to financially uh, cover for the losses, but trying to prevent it from going further in the first place, trying to prevent the spread of, let's say a malicious software in your network or, or recovering uh, the funds, like you mentioned uh, earlier. So what would you say is, um, so, so your company that, that you're working at the moment, Binary Edge, uh, does a lot of what we have described of, of, of collecting uh, additional data for, for the underwriting process or also for ongoing monitoring. What would you say is uh, the future in, in, in this space or where do you see the, the industry going in terms of uh, data collection and, and monitoring in general? Right. I mean, I think it's, you know, again, I work for Binary Edge, so we're actually a subsidiary of Coalition, which is the cyber insurance company arm, right? So we focus on the security and the data collection, right? That's kind of the expertise we bring to the table. And really what it is, it's about understanding where more of the risk vectors live, right? So right now, you know, most of the time it's looking from that outside in perspective of what are those potential holes? You know, how do you educate the users on phishing and, you know, social engineering, those things, right? But then the next steps of data collection are really the other aspects of where data breaches can start to occur, right? You know, people leaving uh, password, you know, you see it a lot now in, say, GitHub, right, where passwords or secrets are being left exposed unintentionally, right? Uh, with Now with you know, everyone moving stuff into cloud services, whether it's Azure, Google Cloud, or AWS, you have more and more credentials that are all over the place and different people with different accesses, right? So understanding and, you know, really getting the full, you know, what we, what we call the attack surface of an organization, 
right? And the attack surface just isn't the, you know, what you'd think of traditionally as like the front doors and windows, right? You know, the IP addresses um, and, and the servers and stuff that the company owns, but now their attack surface is in these third party, you know, hosting scenarios, right? Or cloud services, right? Um, and, and, and collecting data there is obviously much trickier, trickier because again, you have multiple organizations that are in these cloud services, they're segmented, you know, how do you get through those services as well to understand where else does a company have risk that's potentially accessible or exploitable from the threat actors. Got it. Yeah, this is definitely a very interesting space and, and I'll happily talk about it for, for a really long time. Uh, but just want to do a, a quick recap. Uh, so we, we spoke about the, the importance of capturing data and having better data to make underwriting decisions, but also using that data to proactively uh, help organizations in preventing risk in the first place or identify which areas of the risk are uh, more critical or, or more dangerous. And we also mentioned that when considering a, a, a cybersecurity insurance provider, it's important to build not only a transactional relationship with this partner, but have a true collaboration uh, in making sure that there's their, their best interest is in proactively helping the organization prevent risk in the first place. Um, so on that note, uh, we'll probably conclude the episode for now, but uh, just wanted to uh, give you an opportunity to announce uh, uh, anything that, that you have going on personally or, or your company. Uh, if you'd like to uh, talk about it, this, this would be a great time. Yeah. Actually, then, yeah. So one of the interesting things we're doing is, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we're binary agent coalition. So one of the things we've actually done is we've built some internal tools for monitoring the insureds, right? You know, we have, and staying on top of what they're doing. So one of the things we've done is we're actually productizing that and making that available as a product that we're selling and and providing. So if people are interested, they could check out ASM binaryedge.io and get a look at the technology that, you know, get some background information, take a look at the technology that we're using to both underwrite uh, potential insurers and more importantly, do the ongoing monitoring of those insurers, right? Understanding their full attack surface um, because those things are changing. Um, you need a, mo a good monitoring tool to have. So it's something, you know, if you want to check that out, we can definitely help them with that. Excellent. Uh, thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and I'll be sure to stay in touch with you to uh, have a, an ear on, on the latest on, on cyber insurance policy and the security industry in general. So thanks again for joining us. Great. Dan, thanks for having me as well. And uh, appreciate being on the podcast with you. That's it for the show today. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe.